Deep down inside, you know family life should be fun, but also have purpose. However, somewhere along the way, your values, your beliefs, and the expectations you had for your family have gotten lost in the midst of everyday life. We're Carl and Kimberly Amici, and we're on a mission to help you become the family you were meant to be. Whether you've been a parent for a while, just starting out, or thinking of becoming one, this podcast will inspire you to design and create a thriving family culture. We are all passionate about something, but few of us can say that those passions are a part of our everyday lives. This is episode 10 of the podcast. This week we'll be addressing what to consider when making what matters to you most show up in your everyday. When I first started working with a life coach, I thought I was way too busy to pursue the things that were important to me. I had a long list of reasons of why I wasn't writing more, connecting with my husband regularly, or deepening my friendships. I just assumed I had a time issue, but what I really had was a priority issue. I said over and over again that certain things mattered to me. However, they weren't showing up in my schedule. One of the things that she helped me do was make a list of my non-negotiables, which were basically the five things that I needed to do every day in order to put my head down on the pillow and feel like I've had a good day. We also made a list of my values, those five things that were important to me. I also started to consider the things that I was passionate about and the things I wanted my family to be known for. In my mind, I had a really clear picture of the life I wanted to live, but I certainly wasn't living it. And that was one of the reasons why I got a life coach to begin with. It was my 40th birthday, and I had gotten to a point in my life where I really wanted to see my life reflect the life that was going on in my head. After I created all these lists, I had to look at my schedule. I had to look at how I was using my time. With intention, I had to take these things and I had to make them appointments in my schedule. I I couldn't wait for them to just happen when it was easy or when I had the extra time or the extra money to pursue them. It took a little bit of practice, but eventually I started to live the life I wanted to live. The the, The change happened gradually and it was probably like a year maybe a year and a half later when I literally looked back at my life and I was able to see a stark difference between what my life looked like before I started with the life coach and what it was at that moment. Yeah, I could definitely see it. I mean, you, you went through, um, you know, I guess I was probably a little skeptical at first life coach. What does that mean? (laughs) And, um, okay, it's your 40th birthday. I guess you can do it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, it, and of course is one of those things that anytime you, you, you make a change or you, you, you want to form a habit or a routine, it takes time. You know, I, I remember listening to a podcast recently and there was, he referred to somebody that said, oh, it only takes 12 days. Um, but he said, that's wrong. It really takes about 70, Mm -hmm. um, to, to form new habits and new routines. And I think that's probably more, more accurate. And then if I, I look at your experience, it's, it's those, it's that small steps, consistent steps, not that you were perfectly executing every day, but it's that momentum that you built that became your routines, became, um, consistent habits, um, that you, you you know, to your credit, you, you did put on your calendar and you did keep to it. Um, and easier said than done, but that, that's been great. I think that's been great for both of us, not, not just for you, but for really the family, <laughs> family as well. Yeah. And, and when I first started working with my coach, um, 
I wanted big changes and I wanted big changes right away. Like I knew that I wasn't living the life I wanted to live. I knew I wanted to be more intentional with my time. I wanted to do things on purpose. I didn't want to react to things that were happening in my life. I wanted to be proactive instead of reactive. But it was daunting. Like where I wanted to be seemed so far away from where I was at the time. And, you know, she had the ability to kind of slow me down and say, wait a minute, we can't just change your life overnight. We need to talk about the things that are important to you, such as your non-negotiables, like getting down to the nitty gritty of like what's going on in your day that you need to be doing. Um, and then taking a step back and looking at my values. What are the things that are super important to me that, that, that stood out that, that I would like ride or die for. And then what, what are the, your passions or, and, and the, the process of discovering a lot of my passions happened through observing a Sabbath which was taking a day off to really figure out what I enjoyed, what made me happy, what recharged me. And that in of itself was a journey because all the things that I thought made me happy and then I would enjoy, they really didn't. And so I went through, you know, a couple of weeks in a row of just trying new things that I was excited about and trying them out for on for size and seeing if they worked for me. And, um, you know, it was through that process and through the small, simple, consistent steps of adding things that I was choosing to keep in my routine that really started to make the change. And really what you're drawing in on from what I, you know, what I think that really draws nicely to is what we've been saying about having your values and your drive, your calendar, and having that show up in your calendar. So mm -hmm. it's, you identify core Mm -hmm. passions and values mm -hmm. um, and you're making it show up in your calendar very very much what we've been saying on the mm -hmm. podcast and so when I started to see the changes in my life that were possible through these small consistent steps I really got a hold of this idea of family culture not just because I had heard about culture for years and not just because I understood the, the concept of leadership and, and of directing culture but I paired it with what I was experiencing in my own life how I was changing the atmosphere of my home how I was changing my own attitude about how I approach things how my simple changes the changes that started with me the consistent things that I started to do then trickled down to my kids and eventually to us as a family as a whole and that's when we really got excited about applying these principles to then our family that's when Carl and I got excited about sitting together and figuring out what was important to us and how we as a family could start to shape our lives through incorporating what we said was important to us into our schedule yeah definitely I mean the cultural practices um help out in every area of your life. We talk a lot about it, about business and family, but yeah, you know, let's give a couple examples. So, so Kimberly and I, um, are passionate about having people in our home. We want to be the place where family members want to be with their friends. We want our neighbors to be here. Um, we just, you know, we want the, our house to be a welcoming place, um, for our friends and family to come. And we talked about this, I think, when we were first together about how, you know, when we have kids, we want our house to be the cool house. We want our house to be the kids where kids want to come and where kids want to hang out, the place where everybody ends up at the end of the day. Um, not because we were like, we let them get away with everything. <laughs> yeah, I but... wanted to clarify that. Cool <laughs> meaning fun. Meaning... Right cool meaning clean fun we're not yeah, we yeah, want to yeah. be the cool because we let our kids do things that they're not allowed to do right right um we want to be that place where 
you're having fun doing things you are allowed to do, but yeah. you're having a great time. Yeah, you know? yeah. So we both were in agreement that, we, and I would even, I would definitely say we were passionate about that. That's something that we were willing to do the work to make happen. So the one word we came up with that kind of encompassed this aspect of what we're passionate about is nourished. We want the people that come to our home to feel nourished. So in spirit and soul and body, this is not an atmosphere that's just created organically. It's built with intention. We decided to say yes to when our kids ask to have friends over. Budget extra money for food um, and have things on hand at all times, basically. Purchase outdoor and indoor games that would provide hours of fun, such as badminton, foosball, rooming cube, and uno. We're not a family that everybody has their head down in their iPhones or <laughs> their cell phones. Um, keep a tidy house, which is always important, mm -hmm. <laughs> so that if somebody comes running in your back door, you're always ready for get-togethers. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And it's not about having a perfect house, right? It's just about oh, yeah. having an atmosphere where people feel comfortable, where they feel like there's a place for them to sit and where they're welcome. We've all experienced this. You, you've gone into somebody's home and you're like very uncomfortable mm -hmm. you know, or you've gone into a restaurant or a store mm -hmm. and you're very uncomfortable or, but you've also gone into places and the atmosphere is so good. The food might not even been that great and mm -hmm. you want to come back. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh, I hope um, our food's good. Right? <laughs> That's a really great way to think of it. You know, if you find yourself in an environment where you feel welcomed, take a look around Observe the atmosphere. What makes it welcoming? What is it that makes you feel good about being there? Um, is it the music? Is it the temperature of the room? Is it the things that they have in that home or in that restaurant? And it's not about mimicking it. It's about basically reverse engineering it. You know, it, it's a creative process, but it's also being observant and figuring out what it is that it takes. But here's the thing about family values is that there is nothing wrong with you if hospitality is not your thing. It's, there's nothing wrong with you if you that's not something that you're particularly passionate about. You know, I have friends that love that their kitchen is on the opposite side of their house and then is their living room because that is not something they're passionate about. It's not something they're worth their, their interest in. Right. They, they may not even cook. Right. So it's not, I mean, this is what we, this is just an example of how we have come up with the ideas, come up with the, the, the practices and the behaviors. And even like what we do with our home is because we're, we're looking at the end goal and we're working backwards from there and we say, how can we achieve it? And so, um, you know, we, it's easy to think of goals in terms of, um, you know, fitness goal. Yes, this is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to achieve it. But we really need to look at our passions and we really need to look at the life we want to live in the same way as we would look at our goals and say, okay, here's the goal. What do I have to do to work backwards to where I am now to get me where I want to be? Yeah, definitely. You know, when I finally started to take back control of the time, I wanted to connect, connect more with my kids and reading seemed like the best way to do it. Cause we all, you know, at some level love to read and, and I, really enjoyed bedtime routines with my kids, you know, talking to them, reading with them, tucking them in, kissing them goodnight. And as they started to get older, that whole tuck in bath routine, you know, started disappearing. And so reading was still a way that we connected. And so I wanted to really keep doing that, but I didn't know what that looked like because I certainly could not read with three kids 
I mean, my bedtime routine was already an hour and a half and if, <laughs> and that was when I was reading board books. And so I didn't know how to maintain that routine. And what, and what I kind of figured out for myself was a different way of achieving the same goal that was connecting with them and reading with them. And what I came up with was, um, picking one book that I'm reading with each child. And so at this point they're, they're all older. So they're all reading chapter books and I choose one night a week to read with my kids. And so let's say Aaron has Tuesday nights and Ellie has Thursday nights and maybe Ava's Saturday morning. It doesn't even have to be at night, but choosing that one time when I'm going to intentionally connect with them. And I literally write it down on my calendar at the beginning of the week. I look at the schedule, um, and I find out who doesn't have practice, which night, so that it's not something that's like added on to the end of a really long day already. And we make time for it. So for example, I might be reading with Aaron on the nights when Ellie and Ava have lacrosse practice. And it's not something that I'm so rigid about, but if I can, can stay with some sort of consistency, it becomes a thing. And when it becomes a thing, it becomes part of your culture. But I've created a culture of reading. I've created a culture of connection because I'm passionate about that connection and I literally have written it in my calendar. They look forward to it, to be honest with you. We actually make it part of family business. So you actually do, like you said, put it into your calendar so you actually aren't rigid because mm -hmm. you can adjust it as mm -hmm. as the practices have changed or mm -hmm. your game has changed. Um, but but the kids know that you're thinking about it mm -hmm. and know that you're like rescheduling it. Yeah. So Kimberly and I are also passionate about travel and are exposing our kids to experiences that would allow them to learn in creative ways. Also try new foods. <laughs> <laughs> While we're traveling. <laughs> While we're traveling. In order to make that reality our home, we, which we were determined to do, we had to, we had to make a couple decisions or we had to kind of get disciplined in, in various ways. So so first we had to decide, what does travel look like to us? Meaning, is it one big vacation, a two-week vacation? Um, or is it two long weekends or two or, or a week and a long weekend? Um, and what that was really going to look like for us. We also had to budget for it, meaning that, you know, and when you have three children, two adults traveling, um, it's quite expensive. So it's, it's making the intended effort to budget within our means to be able to afford the type of vacation that we desired mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. within our means, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and this is where you can get pretty creative as, as well instead of, um, you know, what we've found great for us, again, with the five, and especially if you go somewhere where hotel rooms aren't that large, you know, staying in an Airbnb is was a much cheaper alternative mm -hmm. per night. I mean, I think it saved us three to four hundred dollars on some of the things that mm -hmm. I was checking per night, and it was great. It was a great mm -hmm. experience. Great neighborhoods. You, um, so it's a, it's a good alternative to stay within your means, but still have these experiences, right? It's more about the time together and the experiences um, than it is necessarily about spending too much money in one particular area that's really not necessary because mm -hmm. let's be frank when we travel we're sleeping at the place we're not really mm -hmm. staying yeah. in the place we say no to things that prevent us from saving the money for those trips so we stay within our means in various areas of our whether it be mm -hmm. the cars that we purchase or don't purchase um or or any other part of our budget mm -hmm. we we try to budget for the year 
Yeah, there was one year when um, our kids got really excited about trying out for our local club soccer team. And I don't know how many times a year they have tryouts, but it's maybe once or twice a year. But it's like the time of year when all of the parents kind of get frenzied about getting their kids on the right team and the right scenario with the right coaches. And our kids love sports and they really wanted to be on a club team. And we started to go through the tryout process. And then all of a sudden I said to my husband, I said, we need to slow down for just a second. Like this is a big ticket item. And, you know, we could have found the money and we could have made it work totally. But it occurred to me, you know, we've been talking about this trip and that trip and this experience for our kids for a couple of years now, but we keep saying, ah, you know, we, we don't really have the money. We don't really have the money. But what if our kids make this team? We're definitely not going to have the money. What if we took the money that we would have spent on that, those kids and we, we, we might not have the money or the time, to be honest. Right. But, uh, but I do think that when we made the choice to say no to that, which, by the way, our kids didn't make the team they tried out for anyways, and I was secretly happy um, because I knew it would be just another thing that would keep us, it would take us further away from our goal. Mm -hmm. And I wanted that to be the year where we were going to stop making excuses for why we weren't traveling as much as we wanted to travel with the kid or, or to the places we wanted to go with them. And so in making that decision, it re it refocused me towards the goal of travel. And it made me say, okay, let's make the time. Let's get the money. Let's, let's, what else can we say no to? And what else can we do to make this a reality? And so every once in a while, you're going to have to make decisions in order to follow your passion, but it's so worth it. Like I, I, our kids still talk about last year's vacation and we, we realize that we should have been doing this all along and we're going to continue to do this. We're going to continue to have goals and follow our passions. You know, we've prior made this a priority Mm -hmm. and, um, it was a good choice. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a good choice. So again, um, music may be your thing. Volunteering may be your thing. Justice work may be your thing. Um, Golf may be your thing. So what is it that you can do to get more involved in what you're passionate about and get your kids involved? It's not going to be the same things as ours are. And you're not going to have to do the same things in order to make them a part of your culture. That's up to you to do the work and be creative and figure out what are the simple, small changes we can start to make now so that a year from now, we are a different family. Just like you can turn your values into practices, you can turn your passions into practices too. And here's a few steps on how you can do that. Create a list of things you are passionate about. If you need some help discovering what you're passionate about, listen to episode 9 of our show and download the Family Culture Discussion Worksheet. The next step would be to envision what your life would be like if you were following your passions and living your best life. I mean, this is a really fun activity or a fun part of the process because just take a moment to think about if I'm living and following my passions and living my best life and following my values, what is it my what does it look like? What does my everyday look like? Where do I live? What am I doing? What are my kids doing? How much time are we spending together? How much time are we spending apart? Who's doing what? You know your family well enough to sort of think about the the, the potential that you have together as a family, the potential that you have as individuals. So the third step is brainstorm about what that means practically for your family. What might you have to say no to? in order to say yes to what matters for you. What are the small steps that you can take to follow your passions? And lastly, where can you schedule in your non-negotiables? Making what matters to you most part of your life takes practice. Old habits need to be broken and new ones need to be made. 
we have found that keeping a list of our non-negotiables, our values, our passions, and what we want our family to be known for handy so that we can double check it when we're making plans for the week, month, and year. So let's recap all this for you. With careful thought and intention, you can incorporate what matters most to you into your life. Just like you turn your values into practices, you can turn your passions into practices too. You do this by making your non-negotiables, passions, and the things that matter to you a part of your schedule. Find creative ways to use your time, talent, and resources accordingly. Thanks for joining us, and be sure to listen to next week's episode when we will talk about how words impact our culture. And remember that family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. We'd love for you to help us get the word out about the show by sharing it with a friend or writing a review on iTunes. To learn more about The Family Culture Project, go to thefamilycultureproject.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter, which will include show notes, resources, and bonus content.